Hi, I'm Melanie Patterson from Christchurch in New Zealand. Doe Prinsker from Pretoria. Anandredi from India. Sue Crawford from Peter Maritzburg. Patrick Miner from Nairobi, Kenya. Krizal Roberts from Sanderton and Mpumbalanga. I'm Brigitte Seiperstein from Frucht, the Netherlands. Andre from Brisbane. I'm Ben Weiner from Botswana. Jim Panton from Edinburgh in Scotland. Christine from Cape Town in South Africa and you're listening to Ride with Coach Perry. Welcome on to another edition of Ride. I'm Brad Brown, and with us we've got uh, one of the CoachPerry.com coaches, our cycling coach, Devlin Eden. Devlin, welcome. Nice to nice to touch base once again. Brad, thanks a lot. Good to be here again. Dev, I'm super amped to be talking about what we're chatting about today because uh, it's not too long to go now to the next edition of the 94.7 Cycle Challenge. And there's always, uh, I know, a lot of people who are trying to get faster and improve their time. And what I wanted to chat to you today about was how to take 30 minutes off your cycle challenge time. So it doesn't matter if you're going for a sub six, a sub five, or sub four, possibly a sub three. Uh, these principles apply to to everyone, uh, and they'll they'll make a big difference on on your your cycling sort of goals when it comes to to cycle challenge. It's a great race. Before we get into that. Uh, one of the things I love about it is uh, you don't get an opportunity like that any other time of the year to ride down the M1 on a bicycle. I don't know about you, but for me, that's my favorite part of the route. Yeah, it's, it is phenomenal from that point of view. And I think one of my favorites is also just having the opportunity to ride through Joburg itself. Um, like you say, having the opportunity on the M1, but exactly the same sort of thing with road closures, ride through city center, uh, some of the really cool landmarks of Joburg and having that opportunity in itself is brilliant yeah absolutely well Dev you've put together four points that uh, you think if people focus on uh, that can really sort of uh, dial in their performance and, and can take 30 minutes off their off their time the first one you mentioned was really structured training tell me tell me a little bit about your thinking behind that and, and how people can structure their training and what they need to do all right so look I think just firstly before we do go on um 30 minutes, we obviously, we're putting a, a thing here on taking 30 minutes off your time. But I, I think it is just important just to to make clear that whether it's 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it might be, the goal is to take a chunk of time off. Um, obviously, with regards, when I, when I talk about the structure of training, Brad, what I find a lot is um, riders will typically come, they, they're putting in a lot of hard miles, putting in a lot of miles as well. And... It's all good and well to be doing that, but how much of that is actually has structure and has a plan behind it? And I think that's where it becomes a little bit more important. So if we go online and we Google training and what have you, the the buzzword around is interval training and high-intensity interval training. Now, that has its place and it's very important and, and different intervals have different goals. So whether it's trying to get a, a power endurance sort of interval that you're working on, um, typically being something of high intensity but a little bit longer, or being the really high intensity speed work and or strength work for climbs and that sort of thing. So each type of interval has got its has got its place. I think it's just important where the structure comes into it to being able to know when to do what in your training cycle. And I think that's very important. I'm seeing it more and more with riders that are sitting on what bikes in the gym or sitting on their indoor trainers and they're following an interval block because they've found intervals and someone's told them to do intervals, but they're just doing high intensity work and that then becomes the only training they're doing as well. So they're not doing any of the 
the endurance stuff, any of the lower intensity cardiovascular type of work that they need to be building that cardiovascular engine, as I like to call it. So I think from a structured point of view there is where it's important to get get an idea of where you are in your training cycle and also getting assistance, having a coach or someone put a training program together that knows how much time you have before a goal race, um, how much of that can be done in, let's call it, base type of training, how much of it can be done in strength particular phases, and then the power work and the speed work, obviously closer to the time. So I think that is that is my biggest sort of key point when I, when I talk about the structure of training itself. And then also, how much recovery work are you doing in that? And we talk about recovery and people think, oh, complete rest days. And yes, there needs to be complete rest days in your training week, but there also needs to be recovery rides. There needs to be the kind of stuff where it's really low-key. You can sit on an indoor trainer in front of TV in the evening for 45 minutes or an hour and basically just ticking the legs over and flushing the system um, to make sure that your legs and your body is ready to go for the next hard session the next day. So that's another thing I'm, I'm seeing more and more of is the guys are, are seeing intervals, they're seeing high-intensity training, and they're neglecting the recovery work, the long, slow-distance type of rides as well. So I think that's, that is important uh, from a structure point of view. Then there's points as well, how are we going to take time off? So knowing 94.7, knowing the especially the last section of the race is very hilly. So how much hill work are, are the riders doing? So I think the focus there needs to be on whether it's indoor trainers, um, high sort of power work, or getting out and doing hill repeats. So And that can be done again. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be focused to a road. So if you're a mountain biker, you can be doing hill repeats off-road on technical sections as well. But finding yourself a, a piece of road that's got a really good gradient and sitting out and doing longish intervals on that, something that is just accustoming the body to being able to to handle those sort of climbs that you are going to be hitting on race day as well. So hill repeats are important. And in doing hill repeats, just a tip that if you are going to be putting high powers out for a duration, so let's call it a, a four or a five minute type of hill climb, it's important to be giving at least a four and five minute rest in between each of those repeats as well. So when we're doing really high intensity stuff like that, it's important that the rest is as long, if not even longer, so that the next time you do that interval, you can still be giving it your all up there and you're recovering well between each interval. So that's that's important. And then I think probably the biggest thing and when we when we start talking of structure of program is consistency in training. Now that word consistency with regarding to training and our, our general lifestyle, we get busy and work gets in the way. Um, those of us that have families and kids, you've got um, school commitments and that, that's understandable. So it's one, making sure that the training is you're getting the most out of the little bit of time that you do have available in a week and then also making sure that you are consistently training. So again, I'm seeing it regularly with clients that are, that miss one or two sessions or miss three or four sessions in a week because they've had a either an illness or they've had other work commitments and that. And that's fine. But it's also then a case of how do we then restructure the week rather than trying to play catch up and missing out on the vital recovery rides, for instance, or the long, slow distance ride. And again, we, we only then start focusing on the high intensity stuff. So consistency of training, I think, is probably the number one priority. And then from there, building on 
how are we structuring our weekly training program? Yeah, absolutely. You could not agree more. I mean, consistency between now and, and sort of race day, if you are, are training consistently, that's uh, one massive hurdle that is, is going to help you take a, a big chunk of time off. Devlin's talking about training programs. If you'd like to get one, by the way, head over to coachperry.com forward slash start uh, and then click on the cycling programs and there's a marathon program, which is perfect for the 94.7. Dev, the second point you, you mentioned is uh, has got to do with diet and, and losing a couple of spare kilograms uh, before race day. And uh, we see it so often, guys spend thousands and thousands and thousands of rands on, on a new frame or, or new wheels that take a few grams off. But uh, if they lay off the cheeseburgers, uh, it, it would make a bigger difference. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, again, so, so that, I suppose, could be a bit of a sensitive topic in the sense of when we start talking riders that don't really have three or four kgs to lose, I suppose it's a different story. Um Whereas there's, there's riders that do have that to lose and might struggle to lose that as well. So I think first and foremost is making sure that you are on some sort of um, structured diet or not necessarily structured diet, but are conscious of what you're taking in that's focused around the kind of training that you're doing, the kind of racing that you're going to be doing. So I'm talking in the sense of making sure that you're fueling the body well and you are eating enough. So when we start talking weight loss, First and foremost is people start to really restrict what they're taking in and it then knocks your performance in that sense because now you're not fueling the body enough. So I think that's important. Um, personally, so I've always had uh, my, I've had issues with fluctuations of weight and all that sort of thing. And I think the, the one thing from a personal point of view that's really worked for me is not to necessarily follow a particular diet. That for me, I think just uh, from a mental point of view, it feels like I'm being governed by something so i think more importantly find something that works for you but be aware of what you're taking in have some discipline in the sense of well i'm going to lay off a little bit of the sugars and what have you uh focus a little bit more on the vegetables and that making sure that we're fueling the body enough for the kind of training that we're going to be doing but also not unnecessarily eating things that we really shouldn't be in saying that though i think it's important to have a balance so Again, if we, we go to one complete end of the scale and we, we're going to be really strict on everything we do, there comes a point where you're going to have a craving and you might crack and then it becomes a binge day rather than maybe a cheat meal. So I think there needs to be, there needs to be a level of balance. Uh, so that's why I, I personally like to stay away from structured diets and focus a little bit more on what I'm taking in from that point of view. Um, it is important though when we are looking at weight loss, that you also are consulting a dietitian. So consult someone who's a professional in the field who can then also have a look at you and what your personal needs are. So in terms of how stressful is your job on a day, daily basis, uh, how much training are you doing? So making sure that you're eating around that as well. And also eating around things or taking in the kind of food and the kind of drink that is necessary that allows you to sleep. So, I mean, things like that, we also we take for granted, we don't think of, and I mean, it's a cup of coffee in the evening, whatever it might be, and then we lie wide awake. So making sure that we're structuring what we're doing around how much food or how many calories we're taking in around the kind of training that we're doing, the kind of racing we're doing, and what our daily lives consist of. I think more importantly, that's how we need to find the balance. And chatting to a professional in the field regarding a dietitian or a nutritionist, that's the, the best way to go about it. Uh, again, there's a lot of information and everyone seems to be an ex expert on the topic. I think chat to a professional and listen to one person's advice regarding this. 
Um, when we start talking diet as well and weight loss and nutrition, it is then important, like I've touched on, with taking enough in to fuel your body. But it's also important, what are you doing from a nutrition point of view on the bike? While we, in our long training rides, racing, whatever it might be, what are we taking in to actually fuel for those events and for those rides? So what I refer to by that is, are we taking in sugary kind of stuff, so the jelly babies and the sweets, stuff with more carbohydrate base, so whether it's going to be uh, sandwiches, for instance, bananas, that kind of thing. Or some people, again, have their, their preference to nuts and fats and that kind of that kind of thing. I think what is important, though, again, chatting to someone who knows what they're talking about in the field, finding something that works for you, but making sure that we're not physiologically, again, putting that your body into a state of shock where you're not eating during the rides and suddenly afterwards you're starving, you put something in your body, and that in itself is storing in how we pick up weight quite quickly. So rather eat during the events, and I see it time and time again, guys will go out for three, four-hour rides and literally riding on bottles of water. So I think it's important there, let's find what works for us, but make sure we fuel in the body right. And to lose weight on the bike doesn't necessarily mean that we need to cut back on what we, well, cut back, yes, but doesn't mean we need to starve ourselves. So let's let's be cautious from that point of view. And I think my my main point here is chat to a professional and someone that can guide you around your specific needs. Dev, you and I were chatting the other day about uh, sort of going for, for quick times at the 94.7 and, and uh, we were talking about the role that seeding plays. And for a lot of uh, recreational cyclists, the only cycling race that they do is the 94.7 and they end up starting way back and, and it's really difficult to, to ride a, a decent time at a race like the 94.7 if you don't have a decent seeding. And it can play a big role. I, I know me personally, I've done a, a couple of sub threes and there's no ways I would have done those sub threes if I didn't have a, a very very good seating and it had nothing from in my case to do with seating races i was just lucky that i worked for 94.7 for many years and could wangle myself a good seating but uh seating races is a great way to to sort of get a, a bit of a head start before you've even started racing correct and i like the way you put that in a from a head start point of view because that's exactly what it is um and like you've mentioned so you starting towards the back of the field you've got 26,000 riders that you're trying to wangle your way through if you're starting later in the day. And that makes it really difficult because it doesn't matter what level of cyclist you are, when you're dealing with other people on the road that don't necessarily have consideration or don't necessarily have an awareness of where you might be on the road, it makes things very tricky when you're getting into a zone of your own and trying to push for a, push for a time. Suggestion here would be it doesn't necessarily have to be the same sort of distance races, but try and find something, one or two seeding races leading up to the event that we can use as training as well. So you don't necessarily need to be putting in your best possible ride. And if it is something where 94.7 might be your first road race or it might be the only race you do on a yearly basis, add one or two other races in, but let's count it as training events. Don't make it a daunting thing. Um, because that will, the, the more races you do, and if you are doing seating races and you're doing decent enough times, it will also just allow you, the, the, from a seating point of view as well, it'll allow you to have a slightly better seating. Whether you've got a, a fantastic time or not, it, it's more a case of you doing regular races, so you're gaining seating points as well, versus someone that 
has either never raced before or only races 94.7 once a year. So I think from that point of view, have a look at what is out there. There's plenty of races out throughout the year. Um, find something near you. Again, you don't have to travel too far. And find something that you can, you can target as trying to get a slightly better seating. Another option as well, and it's really a, a good initiative from, from the 94.7 side of things, is Cycle Challenge has got their various charity batches. So if it is something that does interest you, <coughs> excuse me, um, if it is something that does interest you, have a look at joining a, a charity that you might have an interest in. And from that point of view, the charity batches will generally get a slightly better seating as well. So they'll put charity batches, depending on whatever charity it might be, slightly ahead of those that are completely unseated and haven't done any racing before. Um, with seeding and the benefits of it as well, getting a better seeding and an earlier start besides the not having the crowds is also if it's hot on the day and you starting later or starting towards the end, back end of the field, it means the heat kicks in, you out there for a lot longer as well. And heat in itself is then going to obviously affect your performance and how fast you can ride this route. So it just means that you're probably going to stop more at water points. It means that uh, you're going to have to stop somewhere along the line and take a break here and there. If you're not necessarily stopping, heat will still have a negative effect on your performance when you're overheating. So from that point of view, that's another benefit of, of getting a better seating and why it might be worth doing one or two of the other races uh, to get a head start and start slightly in the, the cooler temperatures of the day and try and be finished before the heat of the day actually kicks in. Yeah. Your, your final point is, is race day planning and strategy and, and management. And, and the seating almost plays into that as well because the better your seating you, you have, uh, the, the sort of earlier you start, the better cyclist you're with and you've got more chance of getting into a group that's going to, that, that you can sort of uh, jump into that'll help you. But let's talk about race day strategy. And, and one of those things I know you wanted to touch on was, was riding within a group on race day. Yeah, and that's that's very key. And I mean, that goes for 94.7, goes for any type of race or event that you're going to do, is is having a plan and a strategy going into it. So, like you mentioned there, the, the point on groups, <coughs> excuse me, um, is you starting. So, again, it doesn't really matter what batch you start in, but there's always going to be guys that cluster together right in a group that are of similar strength and Riding in a group is going to benefit you on the day. So it helps you with the slipstream. It has that little bit of motivation with the guys around you. Um, so from that point of view, saving energy, riding in a group, it's going to be key to to find someone to latch onto. In saying that, and we, we've mentioned it in the past before, but in saying that, make sure that you're also comfortable riding in a group just from a skill point of view. So that's, that's an important thing just to take note. But... Riding in groups and having your plan for the day is also important to find that you need to find a group that's relatively paced to you as well. So something you're comfortable with. And you generally find it. I mean, we get onto the M1 and the guys are all excited for the ride and a group starts coming past you and you latch onto them. And before you know, before you get into city center, you've completely burnt all your matches and you've blown out the back because they were a little bit too hard for you and you felt that you could stick on and 40, 50 Ks into the ride, you've got nothing left in the tank. So again, try and find someone, find a group that is relatively well matched to you. And if there isn't a group around you, start a group. You, there's plenty of people on the road that you're going to be riding around that you'll see over and over again throughout the race. 
and strike up a conversation. Guys are, are always they're in the same boat as you, looking for for someone to help them out, someone that they can help out, whatever it might be. Start a group and sit at your pace, sit where you're comfortable. That's that I think is first and foremost. And then also tying into the strategy of the race itself is knowing the route. So you don't necessarily have to go and drive the entire route before, but the route maps and route profiles are out well in advance before race day. Have a look at where the water points are on the route. So where, if you feel that you need to stop at a water point, where you're going to make those stops, um, that's not necessarily going to lose you too much time. And also knowing where you have to hold back a little bit and where you can attack or when I say attack, rather push the pace up and, and go a little bit harder. So I think that's key. Um, and I mean, that's you'll find it again where I say hold back is things like that M1 coming into Joburg where you've got so much adrenaline going into race day. There's a lot of people, a lot of vibe around you. And you're going out a little bit too hard, but you've forgotten or you haven't been aware of how much climbing is still left in the last 15 to 20 Ks of the race. So having a plan, knowing when you can go hard, knowing when you need to hold back a little bit, if you're not necessarily a strong climber, getting up those climbs without burning too much energy. So rather putting it in a slightly easier gear, knowing how long the climb is, knowing, oh, gee, there's another climb to come after this one, being able to get yourself into an easy gear, tick it out, and maybe put the hammer down a little bit after the climb or on a slightly flatter section where you know you can make up a little bit of time there. So it's forward thinking, forward planning that's important here when we talk about your strategy on race day as well. Tying into your strategy, like the last point as well, is your nutrition. Being able to plan how much nutrition you need when, um, knowing where, okay, if you're going to run out of fluids here, you know that you can stop at a water point there and you can refill your water bottles, get some bar ones or bananas in, whatever it might be. So that all ties into having a plan on race day and sticking to that plan on race day. It is also advisable to have yourself a plan B. So to know that if you have gone out a little bit too hard, okay, if you've got a goal time, how much time are you willing to sacrifice here to maybe try and make it up further into the race? So it comes down again, is just forward thinking, forward planning for race day itself. Absolutely. Dev, I think those tips are awesome. And I think uh, we're going to have lots of people taking lots of time uh, off their PBs at this year's uh, 94.7 Cycle Challenge. Thanks for your time. If you're looking for a training program and you're listening to this podcast on the website on coachparry.com, you can download the training program below this post. Uh, If you're listening to it on whatever podcast app you use, all you need to do is head over to coachparry.com forward slash start. And that's where you can download the marathon program that'll get you fit and firing and ready to go. Come Cycle Challenge Sunday. Dev, until next time, thanks for your time today. We look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks, Brad. Good to chat.